Okay, so we're on our third day in Helena, Montana. Day one, Alan drags me out of my room at 6 a.m. to go to a coffee stand across the street. So it's like one of those little huts that's drive through. Yeah. And and he's like his super friendly, like he's making friends with the young woman that's in the thing. How are you? What do you do? And he sort of walks away. I take a photograph. And he even like shakes a hand and I take a photograph and it's a snowy day, this little coffee stand. And uh so we walk back and he's like, Oh yeah, she talked about like how the last two businesses that have been in the coffee stand haven't worked out and they really want to make it work. So of course me being me, like I've taken the photograph, I post it to LinkedIn. This is Alan doing his connected thing. And then during the the negotiation sessions, when we're doing this training for this leadership group, I reference this, right? And it's this, so go spend some money in this coffee hut. Like, let's keep this business alive. It wasn't until the last session, somebody walked up to me and said, do you know why the last two businesses didn't work out? It's like, no, the last one was a bikini coffee hut and the one before was a lingerie coffee hut. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you're around. He was like, yeah. I was like, these poor people in lingerie serving coffee in the middle of winter. So, hey, if we're looking for a cold open, 6 a.m., little coffee stand. We've got a cold open. And a bikini. I'm Ace Callwood. And I'm Scott Wayne. And this is Envoy Recorded Radio. Three. So we're in, we're in cowboy country, um, but I, I have a, a geographical question, which you probably can't answer. Is Big Sky that they refer to the whole place? Or is it just like a little part of the big place? What is Big Sky? I think I think it's actually a little town, isn't it? But but the Big Skies is a big sky. It's they have big skies, massive here. skies. Yeah, yeah. they and have like, they have skies bigger than my country. You could see <laughs> if 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 we had skies like this in the United Kingdom, you'd be able to see the edge of Scotland and the edge of England in one go. This is what. Hey, Amazing. speaking of Scotland, did you see there? Uh, I was on the internet as as I'm wont to do. Um, there was a grandfather who made like a topographically accurate sculpture of Scotland using rocks and pebbles. He was very proud of it. There's just a picture of this grandpa with a beer, like a pint of beer, and his rock sculpture. And I don't know. It that's, made me. It made me smile. That's a good marriage. <laughs> that's what that is that's a sign of a good marriage <laughs> go play with your rocks gerard <laughs> hey so first of all thank you to the state of montana for hosting us here we've been yeah. here for two days running executive education sessions for pretty much if you'd wanted to take out the leadership of the state of montana you should have blown up the delta hotel in helena <laughs> for the you past two days have done that. actually no. 15 state troopers showed up in one go yesterday and i did wonder whether it was a bomb threat turned out it wasn't it was a graduation ceremony but, um, Isn't the Unabomber from here? It's a bad joke. Oh, let's you not can't let's do that. Not but I have two free gifts from okay. the state of Montana. The first was from the to- Department of Administration, and they gave us, amongst other uh, other goods from Montana, was a trucker cap that just says, "That's how you Montana," which I think. I'm not sure how you interpret that. Anyway, I just like to highlight how ridiculous I look in trucker caps. <laughs> yeah, two of us, t- two of two on this podcast are wearing trucker hats and uh one of two looks like a muppet in his uh, that's true uh but you all went out in yours last night we went to the what was it called the the, the windblower hotel wind the, bag, win, the, the windbag, windbag saloon. saloon yeah so we went with our fellow windbags as you me and perry v alan and elizabeth um all in our caps but i also got a free t-shirt uh that is the the montana board of paroles 
Oh, yeah. I wore I it yesterday that. and I could feel my brother, who's a police commander just over the border in Alberta, in Calgary from here, shudder and quiver at the thought that I was wearing any sort of law enforcement badge at all. So I'll be releasing people on my drive back to Bozeman today, just letting people go as we go as my just my new my new membership of the board of parole of Montana. Freeing freeing <laughs> the the jailed. Uh, all right, let's go to sponsor of the week. Sarah Abu Baker. Yes. Yeah, so sponsor of the week is Sarah Abu Baker, who's running for I can't remember whether fourth district, the fourth the district, four, you I wrote, wrote fifth, fifth district, the fourth district for city council to Richmond. We should endorse Sarah Abu Baker for fifth district. We, we should put that out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sarah, we love you. So, so Sarah is is not just a neighbor and a friend, but somebody who and this this is involuntary sponsor, not for Sarah. But for everybody like Sarah that is choosing mm. to step up, whether it's in the United States or any other democracy around the world, choosing to step up to be an elected official, especially at local level. Yeah. So to all of you who are signing up and and choosing to do this in a world where you just get battered on social media, you get battered by um, the general public for doing a public service for which you get very little reward, this episode's for you. Thank you. I love it. All right. So... um. Let's go to the zeitgeist. at and line went down the other day. We, yeah, we, we, I ex- we, we were in New York. It. Yeah. So I, I didn't realize that is what happened. So I, like, I left. We were, we were in the city um, for a gig. I walk out of my hotel. Vera's in the lobby. We like leave to go to the gig. And I don't know where you were. Were you there already? I think you were already over. Yeah, at, I at the earlier. venue. Um, I was like trying to figure out why I wasn't walking with you. You had left already. But we we like walk out of the hotel and we had a client send a message about the last ERR. He had texted that morning and I am sending a snarky text back and I can't get it to send. It won't send as like I'm on the street crossing 6th Avenue. And I look at V and I was like, do you have service? And she's like, AT&T's uh, service is down. I was like, oh, I got the text right before I got kicked off a of Wi-Fi and then I lost service and I couldn't send the text. And it was one of those snarky text messages because I know he's listening right now. It's one of those snarky text messages that like has to come in real time or it's less funny. And so time was of the essence and AT&T's service was down. And so I'm probably going to leave my carrier. But it was it was <laughs> it was very it was interesting because you're in you're in the middle of a very dense city. We're in New York City at the time. And then, but you realize how dependent we are on those devices because you can do anything. You, yeah. know, you can check in for our flight later today. I was the idiot who was looking at Google Maps to make my way to, to Sony's headquarters. <laughs> and I was like, it's not working. I don't know how I get there. And then I was like, oh, I know exactly. It's two blocks <laughs> away. I and I, I walked there yesterday. There. Yeah, maybe I just use my brain. Maybe I use that. <laughs> it's the one that's in front of the big square. Like, not really to be missed. Um, but but then their response. So Wait, before we go there, because yeah. there are two separate instances where you were in the city and I found you serendipitously and you were trying to figure out how the fuck to get to where how you How did you go. find me? I, I was in know. the I was in the village. <laughs> you I'm looking I'm again trying to find a place and then 
I look up and you're filming me. And I, we hadn't gone to the village together. No, we were in Midtown. We, were, just... we were coming from completely different sides of Manhattan. And I just run into Scott on the sidewalk accidentally. Now, I wasn't looking for you either. I just look up and you're there looking at your instructions to get to wherever we were. And I, was, I, I looked completely lost. I was so totally lost. disheveled. And you posted it to Instagram. And I got like those like love heart messages. Uh-huh. And, but I knew it was like, oh, you little sad bugger. Yeah, like well. it wasn't it wasn't I love you. It was like, oh, oh you this pathetic. is AT&T's fault. You apparently. Anyway, so, so you got a message. Yeah. So it goes down on Thursday. Of course, by Friday, I've forgotten about this thing. On Sunday, I get a text from AT&T saying, we apologize for Thursday's outage, which it might, may have affected your ability to connect with others. No, I think it absolutely did affect my ability to connect with others because that's your core business. We value so, as a customer and commit to doing better. That was, So all I did was remind me yeah. by stating the obvious of, of what happened a few days later. It wasn't the best. So um, here's your daily reminder that everybody likes me more than they like you. Because I got a message on the same day. Actually, three minutes before you did. So they texted me before you. All right. And they said, it's AT&T. We apologize for Thursday's outage, which may have impacted you. As a valued customer, your connection matters, and we're committed to doing better. To help make it right, we're applying a credit to your account. Wait, 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 wait. They gave you money. Yeah, they gave me money. They they texted me before you. They they said more nice things to me than you. They did. And You're a valued they, customer. I'm a valued customer. You're not. And then they gave me money to make it right. ATT.com slash make it right. Hey, scratch everything I said about you know that involuntary sponsor of the month that was uh-huh. like people volunteering for government service, Sarah Abubaker. This episode is brought to you by T Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> They're how we get Wi Fi on the uh, on the planes too. Yeah, it's great. It's great. No, look, things go wrong and I was I was, well, I'm still doubtful as to whether it wasn't a cyber attack, actually. I, I don't there know. Look at but, you spreading rumors. But, but I, I'm pleased if it wasn't. Um, but their customer response. There you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, another company that won't be a client, it turns out. Onward to Envoy Tank Radio, which is today Envoy Political Radio. And Perry, if you find like a Yankee Doodle, uh, can I sting for this one? That'd be great. Okay, um, so uh, election radio today. Um, I'm oh gonna. God, do we have to? Yeah, we're going to both sides real All quick. Right, okay. Yeah. So um, Nikki Haley staying in the race. Yeah. Stubborn or strategic? Oh, brilliantly strategic. Okay. Yeah. Forty uh, percent in South Carolina uh, is forty percent as a candidate that is presumed to be dead is yeah. is a great number. I love, and that was kind of her speech at the yeah. end of election night. She's like, forty percent of people don't want that muppet. And I, I thought that was, it was a very, very, it was an interesting way to tackle it. Very that. few races, this is why the country isn't divided. Very few races state by state have more than a 60-40 win in either direction, Democrat right. or Republican. Hawaii right. and Alaska, I think, are the two outliers, which are closer Skew to 70-30. Yeah. Alaska goes Republican and and uh, Hawaii goes, goes Democrat. But every other state, it's typically no more than 60 40 40 is a real number Mm -hmm. uh and who knows what (laughs) the idea of predicting the future um two old men running for office one indicted several times court cases ahead lots of money flow we've got global conflicts going on all over the place the result in um 
in Michigan is in, is interesting in terms of the Democrats. Yeah, so, so let's go there. Biden yeah. Biden was down um, just about twenty five thousand primary votes uh, in Michigan in favor of undecided. So the protest, which was gunning for about ten thousand votes uh, in that primary in Michigan, ended up having twenty five thousand people. It's like twenty four or five or something like that vote undecided in protest of how. President Biden is handling uh, Gaza right now. So if I if I was one for the DNC campaign, I'm looking very closely at those numbers. I want to disaggregate mm -hmm. those who are um, either of, of the Muslim faith, Muslim origin, or closely tied to that community, or part of the activist community. And I wanted to take that seriously. I want to take that seriously, but I'm more focused upon um, those who are um, less activist, less publicly activist on that issue who may have swung in that direction as a result of that energy. Because there's the, if the goal, you said the goal was 10 to 15,000, but it was, it was actually like 10, around 25,000. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that additional 10,000 is, is where I want to, where I want to look. And I'm, I'm struggling, struggling yeah. in the UK, uh, yesterday, um, there was a by-election for a, for a member of parliament seat and it ended up being won by a guy named George Galloway. He's this very radical left wing because the Labour Party had to stop backing its candidate um, because he had said some, um, uh, he'd shed some conspiracy theories about Israel. So they stepped away from their candidate, but it was too late to put in another candidate. So it sort of run, but Rochdale has a very similar demographic to parts of Michigan. And George Galloway, who is, he is, extreme extreme left um but but got the seat and so a lot of these what seem like single issues or in some cases would have been an outlier issue even even late october after um the actions of hamas in israel uh have you know that they're, they're rising and they're rising and they're rising and i think that awareness that whatever israel is doing is only possible with the provision of u.s um Material is becoming more and more acute. This is this this looks like it's going to affect. This is the big year for democracy. Remember, this is more elections happening around the world than any other year in history. More people will vote, and uh, these single issues are becoming big things in in many many countries. I agree. I, I think the election math is always fascinating, and the numbers we're talking about are significant. Twenty five thousand, and on the Nikki Haley front, yeah, forty percent is not. 51%, but it's not that far off. And there's a week or two of politics swinging one way or the other that could change the math of an election. Can I, can I tell, as we're talking about politics, can I tell you what I was chatting to? I'm not sure it was Perry or Vera last week. <laughs> oh, God. But I had this idea. It's like the joke that you just don't have time to execute, but, but I'd mocked up a um, re-elect Ace Colwood as mayor. It wasn't elect Ace Colwood, but re-elect Ace Colwood as mayor. And I was just going to put up posters all around the city. And then I realized there's a candidate or two would be really traumatized by that. And maybe we shouldn't interfere in things. Can but I I'm still tempted. I'm saying, hey, if people would like to donate to the Ace Colwood, re-elect Ace Colwood as mayor of Richmond Pack. <laughs> Send us your checks. We will take your money. Harry's like literally grimacing right now. Oh, man. Hey, so um, I want to jump to reverse innovations or, or questions or comments from our enormous audience. But uh, I got a DM on Instagram from from Chris, uh, who is tuned in from North Carolina. I think that's where you are, Chris. Uh, we had a really quick, quick exchange, but uh, Chris sent me a post on Instagram 
from Clicks Keys. It's the Creator Keyboard, which is literally an iPhone case that has a keyboard attached to it. In case you... Oh, so it clicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> so it's a tactile keyboard. It's like a haptic response. Yeah, but it's, it's But it's really just a keyboard. It's it, it, that it is. It is. It's a keyboard. It's, it's almost like so it the iPad, like... But I, so on one hand, like, I think it's easy to roll one's eyes and be like, oh, they put a keyboard in an iPhone case, like your iPhone doesn't already have a keyboard. On the other hand, it's this interesting kind of a thing that if you're not in the demo that they've designed this for, you wouldn't get and it would look ridiculous. Creators use the entirety of the screen and when your keyboard on your screen is pulled up, it cuts your screen down to three quarters the size. And if you're editing and working oh, yeah, through yeah. a thing, you lose real estate where your content lives, and that's what you're working on. And so, I it's it's fascinating to me. Like, I think it's easy to look at this and be like, "This is so dumb." Oh, so it sort of extends the phone. So it, it extends the phone. Yes, yeah, so yeah. you get the full well, screen. To and so, like, <clears throat> it's on one hand, like for the layman, it is the dumbest thing. It is a reverse. We had keyboards. We went to touch screen. We are going back to keyboards. And I think as technology is moving. We're also at a place where, hey, maybe this extension of the screen is interesting. That uh, that free write uh, product that we, yeah. we had as the sponsor of the week a few weeks ago, I've been hesitating about buying one of those. It's basically a word processor that's not connected to the internet, yeah. right? Yeah. I think you can add a mobile thing that you can upload it to the cloud. Or mm -hmm. um, I've been tempted with that. I have been hovering on buying a typewriter. I, I like saw an electric one. typewriter today, and I almost bought it for I've you. I've gone old. <laughs> Did you really? It's on Facebook Marketplace for fifty bucks. <laughs> it might be there when we get home. I, you know, I've got a vintage typewriter at home, but it yeah. doesn't really function. It's just yeah, that look cool. pretty. But I was writing the other day, and I just like I don't need all of this other and and yeah. So I've, got, I've gotten close. Anyway, Chris, great to hear from you. Um, yeah. I love it. Where do you want to land this plane? You want to talk about toxic empathy? Yeah. So I, I, I was watching. Actually, I think what we'll do is, uh, Perry, can you can you pull the audio from this um, and drop it in if you don't mind? There is a really thick online culture of Reddit and different social media where they're all affirming each other in a very female empathetic way. And it's making people feel worse and worse and worse. So it's kind of toxic empathy where everybody's, oh, it's really hard for you. Oh, it's really hard for you. And nobody is willing to do the hard, challenging conversation. Everybody is so empathetic and kind to each other. And it's all, oh, don't worry. It's very unnourishing because nobody will give it to you straight. Truth has a value. Yeah. And depth has a value and it's vacuous. I think there's a, a real genuine toxic culture i know everybody says it but i think we're not talking about just how toxic it is to be a teenager these days i think it's i think it's really hard and i think they're suffering on a deep level it's really unfortunate because we've never had it so good um so it's uh, it's on uh, it's a podcast interview with stella o'malley she's a psychotherapist and and uh, she she as you just heard is talking about this idea of toxic empathy and i think i understand it, I, it for her i mean the conversation is obviously about teenagers but for me this idea of being on the internet and having so many people just like affirming the things that are real and i think that's the empathy is in your shoes through your lens with your background and beliefs and traumatic experiences can i understand what you've gone through and how x thing might be hard or how you might be struggling with y thing and 
I think at the same time, if there's no accountability attached to that, if there's no, hey, okay, now here's the thing, now we have to go work through that so we can be functioning or contributing or like in a good headspace. I think there are, I, I have interacted with, I think I've had some people over the last week or two who have just popped up and it's been all woe is me, all victim, all, hey, this is, the world is hard and there hasn't been much of a solution attached to that. Like I should move forward and try and do something with it or change the world that has been hard. And so I think if we just affirm the hard and don't help people move through and beyond the hard, we're, we're perhaps doing them a disservice. And I, that's, that's one of those messy things. Cause how long does a traumatic experience take to heal from like a long time in a lot of instances. So there's not a prescriptive thing as much as a, as a society, are we just making space for the trauma, but not making space or helping or saying, Hey, there's some healing that has to come. Cause that's how we get better and move forward. It's, it's tricky. I'm sure I'm going to get beat up for this one. But. It reminds me of Jamie from our crew and she speaks quite forcefully about, she just doesn't believe in imposter syndrome mm. mm -hmm. and that it, the more you talk about it, the more it becomes a thing. Mm -hmm. And so the way you deal with it is don't talk about it. Mm. And, and that, and I would jump on with this, that people often confuse imposter syndrome with not being welcome. And they're two different things. Imposter syndrome is technically, um, that you were, you fear you, you believe you shouldn't be there and you may be caught out, mm -hmm. which which demographically means that more white men should experience that than anybody else because of the structure, historical structure that we have. You're likely less qualified if you're of my demographic than if you're of your Perry's demographic or Vera's demographic. But it over-indexes with women, yeah. which is like, but the likelihood is if you're in the room, you've had to be overqualified to get in there. You shouldn't be experiencing imposter syndrome at all. You should just be feeling not welcome, mm -hmm. right? You're a raider, you're not. And Jamie's, Jamie, I'm speaking for her here. What I believe Jamie says is the more we talk about this thing, the more real it becomes. Yeah. Now, the empathy stuff, yeah, there's a difference between, I just think people confuse what the word empathy means. Mm. Empathy doesn't mean you agree with it. Mm -hmm. so, so sure, I can listen, I can listen to somebody uh, and their perspective and understand it. It doesn't mean that precludes me from encouraging that person to move on from that space. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're confusing that with, with passivity. Is that a word? Passivity is a word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 wonder if... I said it though. It sounded like passivity. That's different. <laughs> that's a, not going to the bathroom. That's going to the bathroom, but not moving to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. Very, passivity on the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that in my hotel room. Um, yeah, no, I, I, the generational pendulum that swings, I think we went from a place where we didn't talk about anything, sweep it under the rug, like uh, kind of through the uh, Dust Bowl, Great Depression era. And then like we've now maybe swung to the opposite end where we talk about everything. And I'd love to be in the middle where we like, okay, we can, but that generation that didn't talk about it, they're like, put your head down and just yeah, do shit, yeah. right? And I wonder if we are looking for that middle ground of, okay, we started with not talking. Now we're not talking, just doing. Now we're talking, not doing. Where is the middle ground yeah, of talk and do? Yeah. Can we just talk about your hotel room for a minute? Because the message that you said, was why don't we do record in my room because i have a couch and i said oh i don't have a couch perry said he doesn't have a couch so we slept all of our gear over here so that we could record in your room that is not a couch that is a chair mm. <laughs> you just made that up didn't you because you didn't want to move no that's that's why why do you think that's what happened so uh 
it would help if you actually read the note that oh, I sent you, you which I now have up. Um, Alan has a suite. I don't know how Alan got yeah, upgraded to a suite. We were going to record there. And Perry says Alan's room isn't free because Alan went to the gym and he's quaffing his hair or something. Can we do it in one of your rooms? I respond, that's fine. I've got a bench and a chair. Oh, it was a bench. I thought I said couch. Perry, what are you sitting on right now? You can say it just loudly for the people at home. What are you sitting on, Perry? Sitting on what am I sitting on, Perry? And my note says, I've got a bench and a chair. Scott, when did you read couch in this message? I was chair and bench put together clearly means couch. <laughs> Perry, that is the most bullshit argument. <clears throat> what? Okay. <clears throat> Perry, will you just take this clip and send it to both of my ex-wives and they'll go, yep, that's why. <laughs> hey, you had something really serious you wanted to talk about. And we don't have long, but I think it, given I the think, timeliness of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said last night you didn't want to go there because it's so low. I it's it's hard, and I think we're in a time where there's a lot of hard stuff happening. So, um, yeah, the, for those who have seen any news at all, um, Aaron Bushnell is probably a name you've come across. He was a 26 year old active duty Air Force Airman um, who self immolated. Uh, in front of the um, Israeli embassy in D.C. last week. Uh, and and that was, I think, just the gravity of that act is, is a heavy one to, to touch on, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say the what and the why. Uh, his last words were free Palestine, um, and he said he can no longer be complicit in the genocide as perpetuated by the United States. Um, and... You know, that that was a, an intentional act to draw attention to a thing that he felt was incredibly important. Uh, and a, a couple things for me happened in that. So uh, in as as he's set himself on fire uh, and is on fire in front of the embassy, uh, some first responders get there. It's security and, and police. And uh, one policeman has gun drawn on this man who is on the ground burning. And another policeman has a fire extinguisher and is putting the fire out. And the one with the fire extinguisher to the one with the gun screams, I don't need guns, I need fire extinguishers. And like that, that moment itself in and amongst all, quite a bit of heaviness, that said so much about the state of a lot right now. I mean, the talk about polarization, quite, quite literally one is extinguishing a fire while the other is waiting to fire and there's a person on fire and, oh. And the person is a member of the U.S. military. I yeah, that in, in fatigues at that. Was he? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, and so, yeah, like that, that was hard. And so you, you just hear free Palestine, free Palestine, free Palestine, free Palestine as Aaron Bushnell is on fire. And then there's kind of the, the history of self-immolation as protest. And um, Thich Khan Duk in Saigon mm -hmm. in 1963, there's the uh, famous photo from Malcolm Brown, uh, a journalist and photographer, who takes a photo of um, this monk who is sitting cross-legged in the middle of a busy intersection and uh, several other monks have poured accelerant on top of him, and then he lights himself on fire in protest of the Vietnam War. Um, 
And, and that's a powerful photo that many, many millions of folks across the world have seen. And we think that it's this like far away thing that happened. Uh, but almost 160 Tibetans have lit themselves on fire in Tibet and in China since 2009, like in the last 10, 15 years, protesting China's rule over Tibet. Um, as the Arab Spring started, Hasni Kalia set himself on fire. Uh, he happened to survive and in an article a couple years ago said, I wish I could die. I mean, to, to the excruciating pain that it requires to do that thing says the commitment to changing the world as a result of sacrificing oneself is, is fascinating. And this wasn't a social media comment. He, he told uh, Susan, Spiegel, yeah. the German magazine. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then uh, we, again, we feel far removed, and this is a new thing, but um, in front of the Israeli consulate in Atlanta uh, in December of 2023, so two months ago, um, a person lit themselves on fire and uh, there, there was a Palestinian flag there at the site where that happened. And uh, this idea of immolation as self-immolation as protest is fascinating on one, in one camp, the argument that it is the purest act to go through such excruciating pain to draw attention to an issue that you have such conviction about to do that. Um, and then there's this like interesting contingent of folks who say it is selfish to do that to yourself. Um, and anyone who's that extreme, I'm not sure I have words for and Oh, I, I like. I read an article. There've been a effect. few articles saying it, it is a selfish act yeah. to set oneself alight in protest. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm struggling to wrap that. my head I, around. Yeah, that. I'm not sure I can get there. Um, I, the power though, if you compare Tikkun Duk in Saigon and mm -hmm. that photograph and how it resonated around the world, versus you said that people will have heard of Aaron Bushnell. I had not heard of Aaron Bushnell. Mm -hmm. It is, I don't think it is making the news. I certainly hadn't heard of the situation at the consulate in Atlanta uh, of somebody self-emolulating outside that, of that. That for me is kind of the, the last piece of this segment that I, I, I wanted to dig into is how this has been reported. There's been airmen set self on fire. There's been, um, you know, man uh, starts fire in front of embassy. Like there have been a lot of things, none of which have said, which was explicitly stated as he filmed it, recorded it on Twitch, and it has gone around the internet that this is in protest of how the United States is involved in the Israeli-Palestine conflict. This is about Gaza, free Palestine. Like, there's, we can't mince words and we can't not understand why he did what he did. And there have been one or two outlets. I don't remember the first. I know Al Jazeera went there. I think the BBC had something similar that says, man in protest of Gaza light self on fire or U.S. airmen. Mm. And so the way that we report the thing, and this is part of a political machine, it's not conspiracy theory as much as understanding that we change our language and language is important and we can suppress the real reason for a thing simply in how we write the headline. Um, and I think Aaron Bushnell has been done perhaps a disservice um, because that's what he did and he that's why he did it. Um, and I don't know that we've given any credence to his rationale there. One sideline to that is I think it's important to understand people's state of mental health at the same time yeah. um, and the motive that different people might have. But I do think this case illustrates 
Israel, Palestine is so much bigger than the issue. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can say if you want to care about an issue, far more people have been dying in the Yemen and in Syria, and we haven't cared about those issues. We talk a lot about symbolism. Sure. The ramifications of, of the situation in Gaza um, and in Israel and the, and the West Bank of Palestine as well are so, so much larger than the space and the conflict and the violence itself. And I think illustrated by a 26-year-old white male in uniform with the name Aaron, which is a Hebrew name. Mm -hmm. Aaron was the brother of Moses, and it means mountain of strength, yep. um, setting fire to oneself while declaring free Palestine. In a time where we're talking about elections being affected by this in both the US and the UK, in, you know, we're spending more and more time in the Middle East, and of course, deep ramifications there. Um, that, that one moment illustrates so, so much of how nuanced this, this issue is and how uneasily untangled it is and, and solved. But we'll continue to. And for those that there are very powerful countries around the world, and actually I don't mean the United States in this picture, who have a vested interest in it remaining complex and unsolved. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, you, um, you, you, you depressed us all with that section. Um, but to cheer us up, I think you're going to praise Simon Sinek because I really can't bear his stuff, won't you? You're going to, I see just Simon Sinek written here. And I'm like, yeah, he's just going to yank my chain about how mediocre I think Simon Sinek is, yet famous and rich like yeah. I am not. So unfortunately, I know you want like a really fun piece of content here, and I don't have it. What had happened was I, I was thinking about a segment called One Word Responses. I was going to put things that annoy me and things that annoy you and, <laughs> and just give you the phrase and see if you could respond with one word. But then as I wrote in all caps, I can't remember the actual word I was starting the segment to bitch about. <laughs> but you just, you came up with words that would annoy me. I love that you put all birds there. No, all birds was for me. Oh, is that for you? Stupid. Shoes made of wool. Stupid. They were, I bought a pair and they were great until I went out in the rain. And they're like, who would make shoes out of wool? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All birds are the dumbest. Uh, how about Simon Sinek? Let's go to one of yours. No, he's fine. He's fine. I just say for those fine, there's for those people word. quoting Simon Sinek, I realize how popular he is, and I, I, I can't believe I just love his accent and the way he delivers things. And somebody who leans on his accent very strongly for his work. Um, it's just, look, it's not Simon Sinek. It is sound bites. It's the stuff that is like designed <laughs> for these sound bites. And all I would plea for those people who are like, and this is how organizational change works, and this is how conflict resolution works, please just put some footnotes to research. It doesn't have to be your research. Ideally, something peer reviewed, especially if it's, you know, maybe it's done in a university setting and it's not just taking correlatory information that is tangentially linked and then turning it into a pithy statement that then HR leaders around the world reiterate and start changing people's lives with would be my plea. I may not be saying that as Simon Sinek. This is just a correlation that I'm making that <laughs> statement and using the words of Simon Sinek at the same time. Oh. At this point, the legal letters start to arrive. This has been yelling at clouds. This guy makes <laughs> um, here. Let's let's uh, let's land it here. I am. Um, are you familiar with the term girl dinner? No. <laughs> Perry. Are you doing? Perry's just laughing. So uh, a girl dinner, and I'm going to perhaps bastardize the definition, but a girl dinner is basically like not sure if snack, not sure if meal. It's just like I've aggregated a bunch of 
disparate items to consume. Um, and I find that it's typically, typically along like a meal of consuming small snacks or appetizers, but just random shit. And so I'm realizing that I had a girl dinner on accident the other day as we went to the Overland whatever restaurant yeah. across the street and i'm sitting there and like this was when you ordered hang on just to be clear what did he order it was a starter it was like an appetizer it was cheese sticks and a piece of cheesecake dessert but you had it delivered at the same time you ate them you like took turns taking bites <laughs> you're gross Urban Dictionary says, uh, girl dinner is a dinner that consists of different kinds of small appetizers slash snacks rather than just one entree. That is exactly what I did. So I just ate. It, technically, it was a cheese plate. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm Ace Callwood. And I'm Scott Wayne. We'll see you next time. Unless I resign first. <laughs> <laughs>